Welcome to the Health Pulse podcast. I'm Dr. Connor Delaney, CEO and President of Cleveland Clinic, Florida. Today's guest is Dr. Amar Kerr. Dr. Kerr is a staff physician in the Digestive Disease Institute at our Cleveland Clinic Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. He's also the director of the Complex Luminal Endoscopic Resection Program at Cleveland Clinic Abu Dhabi. Before joining Cleveland Clinic Abu Dhabi, Dr. Kerr was a consultant gastroenterologist and therapeutic colonoscopist at Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee. And he was a senior lecturer in the Faculty of Medicine at the University of Queensland in Brisbane, Australia. Dr. Kerr received his medical degree from the University of Medical Sciences and Technology in Khartoum, Sudan. He completed an advanced therapeutic colonoscopy fellowship at Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Hospital in Brisbane. And in addition, he did an advanced endoscopic training uh, period at Kyushu University Hospital in Japan. Dr. Kerr has a particular interest in screening for upper and lower luminal GI neoplasia, including image-enhanced endoscopy and high-quality colonoscopy. His expertise is in advanced endoscopic resection techniques, including patients on antithrombotic agents and endoscopic management of GI polyposis syndromes. He's presented at international meetings, he's been published in peer-reviewed journals, and he's authored endoscopy textbook chapters. Amar, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, and now we can explain some of those technical terms to our, our listeners <laughs> and viewers. For sure. So to those of you joining us, advanced endoscopic procedures allow physicians to diagnose and treat a variety of gastrointestinal disorders. So that's everything, esophagus, stomach, intestine, colon, rectum, including abdominal pain, vomiting, and bleeding from the intestinal tract. Dr. Kerr is a leading advanced endoscopy expert with a lot of experience and training in this field. And he's here today to discuss some of the latest innovations in the field, including advances in endoscopic imaging, in endoscopic resection. And also we'll talk a little bit about artificial intelligence and colonoscopies. So Amar, maybe to start, tell our listeners a little brief overview of what an advanced endoscopy actually is and maybe how it differs from you know, more commonly done types of endoscopy. Thank you, Connor. Uh, advanced endoscopy is a, a broad term we use when uh, we're performing endoscopy using um, endoscopic techniques and tools with or without endoscopic imaging to uh, diagnose or treat uh, more common conditions or in some instances, very complex conditions. Uh, the field of advanced endoscopy has evolved uh, significantly over the last decade and has um, revolutionized the way we manage uh, GI cancers, uh, bariatric medicine, uh, improving quality in endoscopy and a lot of other areas. Um, so, so these are kind of um, uh, an areas that advanced endoscopy uh, is, is practiced day to day. So for the listener, the things they might have heard about normally are an EGD or gastroscopy, depending on what part of the world you're in, which is a, a, just a flexible scope looking down into your esophagus and stomach, or a colonoscopy where we have a flexible scope that'll check out your rectum and your colon and even into the end of your small bowel. But this is something extra. So it's special imaging, special devices to remove things that might need to be removed, and, and additional benefits that we can bring uh, to the more averagely or routinely type of um, performed endoscopy procedures. So maybe you could outline some of the, the different types of advanced 
the techniques and talk a little bit about how physicians utilize these and the kind of conditions that we treat with these procedures. Sure. So, uh, for instance, if we talk about endoscopic resection, um, um, the most commonly technique used is endoscopic mucosal resection, also known as EMR. And this is a very common uh, resection technique that we use for um, GI polyps, especially in the colon, uh, where um, it's a low risk um, a disease for having cancer. Uh, another area of resection is the third space uh, endoscopy. And uh, for that, we have a variety of techniques that we can use uh, for more um, lesions or polyps that has a higher risk for containing or harboring cancer. Um, we do a more aggressive um, third space. We call it uh, treatment, whether it's an ESD, which stands for endoscopic submucosal dissection, or in some instances, we would do an EFTR, uh, endoscopic full thickness resection, where we can uh, resect uh, the whole pathology, uh, almost like a, like a surgical endoscopy kind of uh, fashion. Um, there's another area uh, in third space endoscopy uh, called POEM, peroral uh, endoscopic myotomy, which is uh, a technique that is used for treating patients with achalasia of the esophagus. Uh, instead of surgical myotomy. Um, and if we move from resection into imaging, there are a variety of imaging techniques. Uh, so there's dye-based uh, chromoendoscopy uh, or electronic chromoendoscopy that we can use for patients with inflammatory bowel disease to detect colitis-associated dysplasia uh, or in patients with colonic polyposis, um, such as uh, Lynch syndrome or serrated polyposis syndrome, we can use dye-based chromoendoscopy or electronic chromoendoscopy to highlight uh, these uh, polyps and ensure colonic clearance, clearance and protect, protect them from uh, developing colon cancer. So there's a variety of, um, of, uh, of, of techniques that we can use for different pathologies uh, in the upper and the lower GI tract. Great. Well, that's certainly a lot of uh, complicated procedures um, obviously things we do a lot of, but many listeners may not, not have heard of them. So just to explain, endoscopic mucosal resection is when we have a, a polyp, which is like a little wart or growth or something in the colon that can become a cancer. And what we can do is inject some fluid under that polyp, lift it up, and then take it out with a special metal snare with or without electric current, depending on the, the indications and often the endoscopist. Uh, but Amar, maybe you'd say a little bit more about the term third space endoscopy, because that's a term uh, many people won't have heard of. Sure. Um, so when we, when, when we talk about first space, this is usually the usual uh, luminal GI tract. And in the second space, it's the uh, thoracic or um, peritoneal cavity. The third space is the space between um, the surface of the GI lumen and also uh, the, the, the muscle, which is called the submucosa. So that's the, the space where um, sometimes uh, it can harbor uh, an advanced uh, pathology or, or early cancer. And the aim of that, that we try and access this through um, endoscopic techniques to reach into the, uh, the, the uh, area of interest and safely remove it and patient can avoid uh, um, aggressive um, interventions such as surgery and can hopefully preserve the continuity of their digestive tract. Right. And so surgically, that's a space we've operated in a, for a long time and doing transanal and transrectal procedures. And it's interesting now, I remember yeah. starting doing this with just a needle knife before the equipment was really there. 
Uh, and now there's much better equipment to do these procedures more routinely and more safely, and it's become quite a standard procedure. So maybe explain a little bit um, who can expect to undergo this type of procedure. Uh, and for those patients, what should they know before they undergo a procedure like this? Okay, so uh, in the first phase endoscopy, for example, if we talk about POEM, which stands for peroral endoscopic myotomy, this is for patients with achalasia of the esophagus. So instead of having the conventional uh, surgical myotomy, uh, they can have an endoscopic treatment uh, as, as a day um, surgery uh, where we endoscopically access through the third space um, uh, all the way through the esophagus into the muscle where the sphincter is tight and we can safely dissect it and then close uh, the entry point within the esophagus. Uh, so this is an example. Uh, another example would be if a patient is having a, a squamous uh, cell, early squamous cell cancer or Barrett's uh, uh, adenocarcinoma or as cancer in the stomach, then we can uh, perform an ESD, which stands for endoscopic submucosal dissection, uh, a technique that was pioneered in Japan. And, and this technique can safely and precisely remove the, the cancer and provide a definitive, um, what we call a T-staging to assess the extent of the cancer and hopefully the patient can have um, the right amount of treatment without needing an, uh, needing an over-treatment with surgery or losing their, their digestive tract. Yeah, and so the great thing for the patient is this is done without any external incision. The, the incisions really are all internal and inside the GI tract, so they feel no pain and they they essentially recover immediately. So it's transformational. Now you mentioned Japan where a lot of this was pioneered. Maybe you talk briefly about why that happened, why Japan ended up starting that. Obviously it was related to certain diseases. You might mention that and then talk a little bit about your training there. Yeah. Yes, sure. So uh, uh, if we look at most of our endoscopic equipments actually all been manufactured in Japan. and. Uh, and uh, a lot of the innovative interventional techniques have all come from Japan and specifically from, from, from uh, Japanese surgeons, actually. Uh, one of the famous surgeons is uh, Professor Inoue, who pioneered uh, POEM. Uh, but Japan, from a, a, a disease point, is one of the highest countries with uh, gastric cancer, so, uh, or stomach cancer. So that, that provided a, uh, a, an opportunity for them to have a screening program and learn more about the disease endoscopically, knowing how to diagnose, how to detect it first uh, at a very early stage, how to diagnose it using endoscopy and providing the best uh, biopsies and pathology um, samples to the, to the laboratory. And then they went on and uh, were, were able to treat that endoscopically. Um, I did spend some time in Japan uh, um, during my, after I finished my GI training and mainly to learn uh, more on how to detect and characterize and treat uh, gastric cancer from a Japanese perspective because uh, the opportunity of, for training and the number of patients there is much more than the West. Uh, although nowadays we are getting better at uh, detecting uh, gastric cancer in, in the West. Yeah, uh, I think we certainly are. But the work they've done has really been amazing in characterizing the disease. And it, it's been the, the platform on which all of these technologies were able to be developed. So that must have been uh, just a great experience to be there. Because Absolutely. obviously volume is volume so important. So they were able to do these just for listeners. In Japan, they were doing these procedures in cases at a high enough volume um, that they could really develop a skill and develop a practice and develop the techniques. Because if you're doing a procedure very rarely, it's hard to build that type of 
skill base and it's hard to be practiced at it. And that's why when you need a procedure like this done, you want to go to somebody experienced like Dr. Kerr or, or somebody else experienced, but if they have to have this particular experience in advanced endoscopy to, to get those benefits. Now, Mar, you've kind of spun from that now to doing research and your research has spanned a, a wide array of topics in the advanced endoscopy field. Can you give us a brief overview of some of your research findings? Sure. So I have an interest in uh, in uh, endoscopic imaging and endoscopic resection. Uh, one of our most recent uh, publications in endoscopic uh, imaging was on uh, Barry's esophagus, where we have performed a systematic review and meta-analysis. Um, uh, it was an international collaboration, and we were able to show that the use of uh, endoscopic imaging platform, uh, which is called NBI, which stands for narrowband imaging. It's a type of light that highlights the, the vessels and the vascular structures within um, the esophagus uh, that we were able by using that uh, to be more accurate in detecting uh, dysplasia, which is the, uh, the stage before the patient developing esophageal cancer, and then uh, being able to targetly take a biopsy and, and getting the accurate diagnosis using the least amount of biopsies needed. Uh, this is in comparison to the conventional way of doing it using a normal endoscopy light and taking multiple biopsies from four quadrants every one centimeter, which is quite a, a cumbersome uh, uh, job. Another um, uh, recent uh, um, work we've been doing is on, uh, on endoscopic resection. I, I, I am a big fan of cold resection techniques. So uh, we and our colleagues uh, in Australia, we have uh, published on the efficacy of cold uh, EMR, which stands for endoscopic mucosal resection, for removing large colonic polyps. Um, the advantage of cold techniques that you eliminate the use of uh, conventional uh, electrosurgical uh, or electrocautery. Uh, when you use electrocautery, you automatically incorporate the risk of um, immediate or delayed perforation uh, or delayed bleeding, which can be uh, quite um, a serious uh, event. When we eliminate that by using cold technique and uh, using dedicated cold snares uh, to remove these lesions using the same fashion of uh, a conventional EMR, we can safely and effectively remove them and eliminate the, all the delayed complications for the patients when they leave the hospital. Uh, and we have shown that this technique is uh, very effective that now has become the standard practice for all serrated polyps, uh, as long as they're non-dysplastic, regardless of their size, we can remove them safely uh, within uh, you know, a few minutes uh, and they can uh, go home on the same day without the requirement to clip the area or treat the area that's been removed. Uh, another area also within the cold technique, uh, have an interest in removing uh, pathologies for patients on antithrombotics. Patients on antithrombotics uh, routinely get their treatment, their antithrombotic agents or blood thinners, uh, as we call it, uh, in, uh, temporary interrupted, which puts them at risk of having a clot or a thromboembolic event. This can sometimes have an irreversible morbidity and in some instances, even mortality. Um, so we have shown by understanding how cold resection techniques work and we can really safely and effectively treat these patients without interruption of their treatment. So we published a randomized controlled trial uh, between Australia and New Zealand during my time in Australia. 
for the, and we've, we've shown the safety of uh, cold snare polypectomy for removing colonic polyps up to 10 millimeter in size. Um, and this, there was absolutely no uh, delayed uh, bleeding or complications. We, there was some more intraprocedural bleeding in about 20% uh, of patients that was easily controlled by the use of clips, which is another um, uh, revolution, I think, in advanced endoscopy that we can have a very effective hemostatic mechanical hemostasis using these uh, new clips and we can secure perforations or stop bleedings very effectively. Uh, more recently from our uh, work here in Cleveland Clinic Abu Dhabi, um, I've also uh, with my group here extended the use of cold resection techniques into larger polyps. So we published, we presented at DDW last year, our experience with uh, removing larger regions in patient taking antithrombotic agents. And we were up, we were able to remove, uh, you know, uh, in a pilot study, very safely regions more than 20 millimeter in size. So this is all exciting and we're hoping to continue to understand more on, on this field and hopefully uh, in, minimize and improve the, the outcome and the risk for patients, especially those high risk ones on antithrombotic agents. Yeah, that's great work and great progress. So maybe tell me a little more briefly about your, uh, some of the latest developments in the field of endoscopic imaging. You talked a little bit about MBI, um, but maybe you could, you'd pick one highlight just to tell listeners about. So uh, within the scopic imaging, uh, the, the electronic platforms, uh, there's, a, there's a variety of uh, imaging platforms available. Um, with validated classifications, but perhaps one of the most recent advances is the use of uh, imaging in, co in combination with uh, artificial intelligence. So instead of you looking at pathologies and you trying to diagnose it, um, you have a computer uh, by your side that can um, visually detect and characterize pathologies for you and help to guide you to really um, uh, be able to detect legions and then also characterize and know exactly what you're dealing with and hence you can decide on what's the best uh, treatment method for these for these pathologies. Great yeah I think the, our ability now to analyze big data is just it's going to change how we do very many things over the next few decades. Uh, yeah. You've also done research looking into various types of endoscopic resection techniques and, and some of the newer advances in the procedure. You talked about clips and full thickness resection, but are, are there some updates you want to give us on these advances too? Um, so uh, I think with we, similar to other uh, um, centers uh, around the world in Japan, Australia, and probably more on the West in, in North America, uh, we are continuing to monitor our, um, our outcomes with, in terms of, providing these uh, relatively new um, techniques in this region. Uh, but one uh, additional thing that uh, we have been doing here is uh, a technique uh, um, called ESR, which stands for endoscopic submucosal resection. This is a, a, a novel technique that um, I've been working on to uh, try and uh, maximize the efficacy of cold resection techniques in some of the more challenging uh, colonic polyps uh, that are uh, less, uh, more resilient, I guess, to, 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 to be treated with, with cold resection. And, and there is there's some chance of having the polyp uh, uh, recurred. And, and we are running a pilot study, but we still haven't analyzed the data yet. That's great. 
Maybe briefly then you'd give an update on artificial intelligence in colonoscopy screenings. Obviously colonoscopy is done so frequently. Um, now that we do have these big data sets, we can think about how we can apply AI to improving it. So maybe you talk a little bit about what that entails and what, what impact it may ultimately have on us, our ability to detect and diagnose colon cancer or pre-colon cancer polyps in the future. Yeah. So, so AI, uh, as in, in a lot of other fields, has revolutionized the way we do things these days. Um, um, there's an application for computer vision, as an example, where uh, uh, it's a software where it allows the computer to uh, visually detect um, visual algorithm, algorithms within, within its field. Uh, a common example of that would be facial recognition, which we daily use on our phones. Yes. So using that, scopes, uh, what we call CAD, uh, which stands for computer-aided detection, um, that can help us. Um, actually, there is, there's been a meta-analysis and a systematic review for a large number of uh, more than 4,500 uh, randomized controlled trials across different major centers. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's really uh, um, astonishing to see that AI not only increases the, um, the detection of polyps, but it actually, uh, the, the magnitude of the increases is, 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 is better than any other intervention that we've had probably in the last 15 years within colonoscopy. So an increment of increase in 10 to 15% in adenoma detection rate compared to average of two to 3% in any other technology, whether it's uh, NBI with imaging or uh, retroflexion or, um, or using uh, distal devices. Um, and we know that for each 1% increase in that uh, adenoma detection, it translates to a 3% reduction of that patient who's had a colonoscopy to develop a post-colonoscopy cancer and to have a, 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 a reduction of five, an increase of 5% uh, protection of uh, dying from that missed cancer or post-colonoscopy cancer. Uh, and and, and the, the increase in that detection rate was not just in, um, in the detection rate, but it was actually across all uh, measurements. So for small polyps or large polyps, for uh, distal polyps, proximal polyps, uh, whether it's in forward view, for reflection view, uh, for flat polyps, uh, protruded polyps, for sesarcerated polyps or adenomas. So across, across the, the whole spectrum, the AI has has uh, increased the detection of all, all, all aspects of colonoscopy. And there's also the, the, the ability of AI to help us also characterize the type of polyp we, we're dealing with. So with a computer-aided uh, characterization, we can tell what type of polyp it is. And that ultimately will help us to make a, a real-time decision for those who don't know how to use uh, or uh, who are not um, trained to, to characterize polyps during uh, during colonoscopy to, to, to make sure that they, they, they're providing the right uh, resection treatment, whether it's a, a simple polypectomy or it's an advanced resection using a piecemeal fashion technique, which you, you remove the polyp in number of pieces instead of one piece, and whether you use an, uh, a surface technique, uh, endoscopic mucosal resection, or you use a more deeper uh, resection with uh, endoscopic submucosal dissection, or you, you want to maybe even remove a full take this resection if there was a suspicion that this, uh, this is an early cancer, or ultimately if it's uh, a, a deeper cancer, then the patient might, the best thing would be that the patient should have surgery and should not have the polyp attempted on.
So I think AI will revolutionize the way we, we practice uh, uh, GI endoscopy and advanced endoscopy. And this is just a one example, but the applications of AI are, 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 are really many. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I think it's not, not far away that it'll be routine on every procedure that's done, particularly colonoscopy and screening, because we know it's, it's not perfect. I think probably the biggest other improvement has been making it a six minute withdrawal. Um, but yes. AI will certainly change that. So Amar, I just want to thank you so much. This has been a really enlightening chat on some of the latest developments in advanced endoscopy. I want to thank you for providing us with this valuable information. Thank you. Thank you. To our listeners, to learn more about Dr. Amar Kerr and his work, you can visit clevelandclinicabadabi.com. In Cleveland Clinic, Florida, we have Dr. Tolga Aram and his team of advanced endoscopists. In Cleveland Clinic in Ohio, and now in our recently opened Cleveland Clinic London, we also have these uh, techniques available. Uh, so it's something that we can provide at all of our sites. Uh, I look forward to you joining me next time on our next episode of the Health Pulse podcast. Mm -hmm.